we're going to talk a little bit about today as we've kind of been uh, going through this month and just talking about um, pursued by passion. And, and we would say that passion or the passionate one is the father first and foremost. And if you've been with us through the weeks, uh, Heavenly Father has pursued us. Uh, Heavenly Father has gone to great lengths, his son Jesus, as we all know, or maybe you don't know today, and today's your day if you don't know that, hallelujah, Jesus has gone to great lengths. They have gone to great lengths in the name of Jesus to deal with the sin issue. Uh, when God had his way in the very beginning, and he was not stumped, but when he had his way, his desire, his intention was to walk as closely as possible with his children, to walk as closely with man. And we see that in the garden and then Adam who committed high treason, you know, as God is wanting to rescue and God is wanting to passionately pursue us. He came up with a plan and sin needed to be dealt with. And we see that in the scripture and that's way too long of a story but Jesus took on our punishment, amen, so that we would be free because God's intention has always been, it has always been, he has always been pursuing us in the name of Jesus. That's been his desire. And first and foremost, I tell you this morning, I tell you it's what this house stands for so much, so much, hallelujah, yes, the grace, the Bible says that Jesus came with grace and truth. And we are so much a house of truth because the enemy's desire is to erect walls and to, and, and, and to speak lies and to build up walls between us and God so that we would never know that we are being passionately pursued by him. This is a love affair, what you are living. You may know it, you may not know it. And that is this, this, this house's quest is that truth would be preached, that every lie would be removed, and if there is a barrier between us and the Lord, that it would be removed. Because the scripture tells us that the veil, when Jesus paid the punishment for us all, the veil was rent. And I want to prophesy that this morning. In the name of Jesus, there is no veil. There is no veil. There is no veil. In the name of Jesus, between us and our Heavenly Father, between us and Jesus, between us and Holy Spirit, there is no veil. There is no veil. And the enemy's job, though, is to, through conniving, and we spent months talking about this, his trickery as the Father's aim and his goal and his one pursuit has always been to love his children it has always been, been to bring restoration and to love his children. And so he sends Jesus on this rescue mission. <laughs> he sent Jesus on a rescue mission. Hallelujah. He sent Jesus on a rescue mission. First, is it about, you know, what we are called to do is it about our identity being restored and us knowing, you know, who we are? Yes, 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 all those good things. Is it about us living life in abundance to the full till it overflows? Yes, yes, yes. But his number one pursuit in the name of Jesus is restoration with Father. And so we have this 
you know, pursuit of God who sends Jesus, who is our rescuer, who comes to this earth, and then Jesus begins to live out his days and, and begins to, as, as our role model, as he declares very openly in Scripture multiple times that the life he is living, he's living as a disciple. He's a rescuer, which today, for all intents and purposes, I'm declaring that a rescuer is a disciple of God. It is an apprentice of God. And Jesus came, he said, when he came, was he God? He, he was God, but the Bible says he left all of his deity in heaven, and he came here to rescue man. And so he left his godness, so to speak, there to rescue us and to teach us, hallelujah, how to do this life, right, in the midst of an adversary, how to live it and how to live it victoriously. Isaiah 8 and verse 18 is something that has been so much as we go through uh, corona this season and I, you know, I alluded to it, just the enemy's desire to isolate, the enemy's desire to spread fear, the enemy's desire to, you know, I was thinking as I was putting this teaching together, you know, we're here we are, rescuers of God, and we had a night of prayer on Friday night, and the last two Friday nights in the building, and everything in me wanted to just lay hands on people, because <laughs> that's what the Bible says, Amen. Lay hands and impart, lay hands and see the sick healed, lay hands and see, you know, the, the strength of God and the peace of God come to people. And here we find ourselves on this mission like Jesus to rescue, on this miss mission like Jesus to bring an awareness of the passionate pursuit of our Heavenly Father through the aid of Holy Spirit, the power of Holy Spirit, the gift of of Holy Spirit given to us in the name of Jesus to become the rescuers. And we find ourselves, you know, in a place, in a season where, where you know, people are isolating. And, and I'm not speaking against things that were implemented. Please don't hear that in what I am saying today. But, you know, I, I think there's just, we were hearing instruction. And then I think the enemy is just trying to add his two cents, if I could say it that way, to things. And so we're, we're finding and just, you know, uh, just this idea of staying away. And as I'm putting this message together, you know, I'm thinking, how do we rescue? How do we minister? Of course, we're doing so online and we're, we're doing so in small groups. But we find ourselves in a funny place, don't we? We find ourselves in a crazy predicament. Hallelujah, but God, but God. Let's say it that way. And so what's really been, you know, I've been mulling this scripture over. Isaiah 8, 18 declares that we were made for signs and wonders. That we, the children of God, were made for signs and wonders. Come on, say, I was made for signs and wonders. Say it again. I was made for signs and wonders. One more time. I was made for signs and wonders. And it's kind of difficult, you know, when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about being an apprentice of Jesus or, you know, a rescuer. And we're in the season where when we see Jesus in the scripture, the scripture tells us he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And one of the stories that I will read to you this morning uh, is him touching someone. Hallelujah. And so we pray right now for creative ideas. 
as we receive this this morning in the name of Jesus, this restoration, this maybe for the first time as you hear this message and you're like, yes, Jesus was a disciple of the Father. And I see Jesus had disciples. And, and, and Jesus was all about, hallelujah, that sequence of things continuing. And so we are these disciples. And in these days, we need creative ideas in the name of Jesus to tell people about the Lord, don't we? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I want to kind of tell a, um, sort of have a, 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 let me read, first I'll read a scripture to you. That might be a good place to start. Hallelujah. And we see all kinds of rescue missions in the word of God, don't we? Um, hallelujah. Amazing rescue missions. And, and what I want to focus on really today, I believe God, as I said, wants to help us to maybe realign ourselves with this idea that we are disciples of Christ, that we are those who are on a rescue mission in the earth and allow God to give us creative ideas so that it's not like we're not, God said that to us, we're not skipping a beat. We're not skipping a beat. We're going to come up with new and creative ideas to share the gospel of Christ, to let people know that God is good. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so um, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19... Hallelujah, we know the scripture declares to us, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. And so what I want to kind of draw our attention to when we look at the life of Jesus, we know the scripture declares over him that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor. He grew. There was a season, his silent years, where we didn't hear anything about him. And we see that in the lives of the disciples of Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. That are, are first and foremost, the reason that we gather, what we're doing is we give, we're giving ourselves to him first and foremost to become that disciple. And then we don't want to stop there. We are disciples of Christ, but we, we, we don't want to stop there. We want to take on then that mandate or that heart that declares, I am a disciple, and when I follow the model of Christ, that means I will see disciples of Christ. Didn't we hear Paul say that? Follow me as I follow Christ. Disciples or rescuers raised up in the name of Jesus. So I have kind of a, I, I want to say it's a funny story, but it's not a funny story. Actually, not a funny story. Um, it's a personal story about rescuing. Can you all see that this morning, that a disciple would be one who is um, determined, right? They, they determined those who followed Jesus. They made a decision as they heard about him, as they watched him in action. They, you know, came to the conclusion that's first and foremost in a disciple is that we would draw a conclusion that, hey, you know more than I do. Hey, I like what I see. Hey, I like what I hear. Come on. I think a lot of times what happens when we give our hearts to Christ and, you know, a lot of times what can happen, and it's hard to, it's hard to weigh through that. It's hard to weigh through, do we give our heart to the Lord because we don't want to go to hell? <laughs> I know this is Sunday morning, and, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in an honest way, you know, and, and so, sometimes, you know, why, why is this so important? Because we got to be able to get off of that and onto how much we are loved and how much God loves us. So in this rescue story then, um, basically it was years ago, and Pastor Ian and I, uh, we used to sail a lot. 
And so we were away uh, for a weekend. I can't remember how long we were gone for. And we took a small uh, sailboat with us, a laser. And the two of us were there. And uh, I think we were up north in the Perry Sound area. I can't remember exactly where we were. Um, but um, anyway, so there was a family, a few small children, a husband and wife, a young family. And we would go out every day. We'd be at our, we had a campsite and so we were tenting and we brought our laser with us and we'd be on the water most of the time. And there was a gentleman who came to the beach that day and he wanted to go out. So I sat out and Pastor Ian took him. If you know anything about a laser, it's a small sailboat, fits only two people. And basically the way that it works is your feet are kind of inside the boat and you are hiked outside the boat. Um, that's kind of the way it works. And so he wanted to go. So Pastor Ian took him. And so um, one of the things that Pastor Ian did not know um, was that the man had been drinking. So he took him out into this body of water and went through the story with him last night so that I could remember as best as I could the details. And so he said he would go out, you know, and tack and turn and come back. And the man would do, he went two or three times, and the man would do this silly thing. He'd, like, drop off into the water. And he'd have to, like, circle around and go back and pick him up, you know. And he did that a couple of times. And he said, you know, then the next time he goes out... He goes out and the guy is not there. So he like gets off the boat and you know he's kind of looking for him and there's no sight of him. So he kind of has to sort of spin around and anyway jumps off the boat into the water, is looking, 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 comes up for a breath, nothing, looking, 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 going down, comes up for a breath, nothing. And we're just camping, <laughs> minding our own business. And he said, all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, he saw like a gold, just a glimmer of, of probably the man's watch hit the sunlight because the water that he was in is one thing he really does not like very much, and that is that kind of murky water, you know, that's black. It's not this like crystal clear water that everybody loves to swim in. You can see the bottom of it. It's absolutely amazing. It's, it was not like that at all. It's black and dark and seaweedy, and you can't see what's underneath it. And so literally, you know, it wasn't like, oh, there you are. <laughs> it's like black. And 30 feet down, you can't find him. And then all of a sudden, thank you, Lord, there's this, you know, little, little um, glimmer from his watch. And he picks him up. And, you know, he goes down to the bottom, and, and if you know a laser, it's just this little topsy-turvy thing in the water. So he's got him now, by the, and he said he could see him when he finally saw him as he went down. He said he was swirling and swirling and swirling in the water. He went back up for a breath and came back down, and he said then he was limp, and he thought that he had drowned. So he grabs him, by, goes down, grabs him by the neck, brings him up, and he said, good thing, actually, he wasn't you know, going to drown him also. He's kind of very limp at this point. Grabs him by the neck and, pick, you know, gets him and puts his chin on the edge of a boat that is now, can you see the picture? So he's on it and the boat's going up and so he's doing his best to keep his chin there, keep the boat stationary and squeeze his stomach a few times and he says he has to do this, you know, with him a few times and then final, he says, eventually the man chokes or, you know, chokes up or coughs up, coughs up, and um, yay, takes a breath. Wow. And we were talking about it last night when I went through the details, and he said, you know, what would, what would my life have been like if I would have been responsible for taking that man out there? And he said literally when he came to, you know, moral of the story is, you know, don't, 
Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and vote. Don't drink. <laughs> and so he said he came to and he was laughing. The guy was like laughing, had no idea what had literally happened to him. But a rescuer. And so I, you know, I, I share that story because I think a lot of times, um, you know, we go through life and life is fast and and we, and we have these deep moments with the Lord, you know, maybe when we give our hearts to God and we have these deep moments of, of the decision that we're making and the price that was paid and, and what we were spared from and, and the help that we received. We have these moments and then we get busy and life gets busy and we forget. And I just felt so much this morning as we focus on this because I feel so much like, as I was saying, that Corona wants us to just kind of pause, pause on life. Pause on people. Pause on God, maybe, you know, so to speak, right? But God is declaring over us, increase was on his mind in the name of Jesus before this began, and it is still on his mind in Jesus' name. And so we are doing everything as prayers, as people, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all of the, you know, what's being spoken and all of the different controversial things that are happening, doing everything we can to keep the fear at bay and to keep ourselves focused on the Lord and to keep the, the main thing, the main thing in the name of Jesus. And oftentimes, you know, to us, as the main thing for us then becomes life, right? And, and it is because, you know, this is a rescue mission, you know, uh, after all. And, and God's desire first and foremost is for us. But God's desire then is that it would translate. It would have, you know, may, excuse me, maybe, you know, after that, you would just, you know, been like, hey, you know, just like, okay, I guess you're gone, you know? <laughs> he said he was shouting for help, you know, somebody help, somebody help, and, and literally no one heard him because he was so far out in the water, and, and it's kind of a radical picture, right, a radical picture of sometimes of, of, of what really maybe we look like, a, a radical picture of the desperate act, and not, I don't want to imply that salvation was a difficult thing you know, in the sense for God, although for Jesus' physical body, it was, it was a physical thing. But just that our hearts would be awakened, our hearts would, you know, just be awakened to the price that was paid, awakened to what we were spared of, awakened to the fact that there are others like us who need rescuing who need rescuing. And as we look at the example of Jesus as our disciple, and we look at his life and look at, you know, what he talked about, and we look at how he acted, that's once we determine that we want to follow him, once we've committed ourselves to saying, I, you know, I believe that you know what you're doing. I believe that you are God, and I'm committing myself to you. That implication then is not that we are showing up Disciple carries with it this implication of not just being taught, although that is a huge part of it. And that's why I'm adding this idea. I think, you know, sometimes we use these Christian terms, but I think in our modern day, they are very ambiguous to us. And that's why when I thought about it even this morning as I'm thinking, I'm thinking of this term apprentice. When, I, when I'm talking about this idea that Jesus had silent years, 
where he spent every single day reading the Torah and learning about the Father and learning about his heart and learning about who he was. And he had no intention of going out. You see, an apprentice, we were having this discussion the other day, you know, um, when, you ha- when you are a person who is particular and likes things done in a particular manner or with a level of excellence, and you finally found someone that does things excellently. It's kind of like going to the hairdresser and you're like, I like you. You don't know how long it's taken me to find you, only to find out when you go to the hairdresser, they pass you off to someone else and you're like, no! You don't know how much hair drama I've had. You don't know how long it's taken me to find you. And so our desire then, you know, and our desire is that the apprentice would have studied under the master and would have learned. And so now when I'm getting your apprentice, I'm basically getting you. Come on. When I'm getting your apprentice, I'm getting you. If anybody is in the house and you are training under something, if you're in LCSM, if, you're, if you are an apprentice in life right now, that is the idea. The idea is not to come and to pick and choose. They have, for whatever reason, they have been given the place of honor, that place of mastery. And when we join that apprentice, what we, what we need to do is not go in there and pick and choose, but we need to go in there and we need to replicate And isn't that what we see when we hear about the life of Jesus? Jesus was God. He knew he was God. And yet, yet in his humility and surrender to the Father and to his will as a disciple, as a rescuer, as an apprentice, his desire was to do what he learned from the Father. Amen. His desire was to do. And so when we show up as we have made that decision, as I said, you know, I am a disciple of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. And he has, he's given us tools. He's given us his word. He's given us these things to learn how to be like him. It's why I've been, I've been just mulling that over in, you know, the last weeks or so, Isaiah 8, 18, I was made for signs and wonders. I was made for signs and wonders. I, am I making that up? No, it's in the Bible. We, the children of God, were made for signs and wonders. Why is that important? Because when the apprentice shows up, there's a lot of, uh, you know, opposing information that will come to try and buffet us. And that is so much, I believe, what's trying to happen in Corona. It's what the enemy's idea is. It's what his mandate is, is to silence the church. It's to, you know, it's to muzzle them. It's to uh, stop them from, from acting, stop them from moving out, stop them from laying hands, stop them from believing that God is good, stop them from believing that God is a miraculous miracle-working God. Stop them from believing that all things are possible with God. And that's who we are. And it's important that we stick to the program. And so when we are in that apprenticeship program, you're not just there for a day or a week or a month, but you are sometimes there for years. Why? So that that way, that way, Jesus is the way, 
He is the truth and the life so that that way becomes ingrained in us. Why is that so important? Because when we are buffeted and we are all buffeted, Jesus said in this world, there will be buffeting, trials, tribulation, pressure, opposition, persecution, but be of good cheer. What is he saying? Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Hold steady. Stay to that which you have learned. Stay to that which you know is true. Remain focused on me. And isn't that in the midst of pressure? Oh. Oh. Come on. Come on. Can you imagine? You know, not to, I'm like, this is like, just, yay. But, you know, a lot of times we, we don't realize the moments that God gives us. Every day we are disciple. Every day we are an apprentice. Every day of our lives, God is putting us before things that we can either be, put my finger away, aloof to or be paying attention. And I thought about that. I thought about how much, it wasn't like he, he's not a rescue guy. He didn't take courses. You know, didn't have CPR training, Red Cross training, at least not that I'm familiar with. Just paid. Come on. Wow, how hard is that in a world where we are being bombarded with information? It is so challenging. And why... We have to give our focus and trust that when we give our focus to Jesus as his disciples, he is passionately pursuing us and he wants more than you or me to get us to our destination. He wants more than you or me to turn us into, transform us, renew us, restore us, revive us, awaken us into those people who are oh you know you know you got you looking for a doctor you looking for a rescuer like i'm not 911 send me the cheapest i'm going for a heart you know just send me the cheapest guy okay that's not what we do it's not what we want it isn't who we are and i think listen this is this is so key i i think this is where we, i will often and listen to pastor i'm like so where are you going with this like where are you going where are you going because i want to make sure sometimes you know we're so different right and so you know it's like father's on this rescue rescue mission and and he's because he wants us to know settle the issue forever you are loved whoa then he sends jesus on this you know he sends jesus on this mission and, and we see it, the children of God were made for signs and wonders. And the Bible goes off and it says this, as Jesus is, so as he is right now, whew, come on, as he is right now, as he is right now in heaven, right now, healed, blessed, perfect, in heaven, so are we in this world. That's, what, that's why he sent us Holy Spirit. He's perfect. 
He was our perfect rescuer, our perfect example here. And he said, it's better for you that I leave you because Holy Spirit, he will teach you about me. He will remind you about everything I said, and he will never leave you alone. He will be your master. I don't think that's a good word, but you understand where, I, what, what I'm, where I'm at. We are the apprentice. We are the disciple. We are the rescuer. And Holy Spirit is the one, when we show up, who's giving us our instructions. He's giving us, but he's giving us something that is, I don't want to say, because it's important to know where you're headed. But you can know where you're headed. Not know how to, not know how to get there. You can know where you're headed and believe that you don't have what it takes. You don't have the strength to get there. You know, in, in the word of God, I think it's Ephesians chapter 4, it, it talks about this idea of righteousness, which is a, a big word. But in, in that portion of scripture, it, it kind of gives us, it gives us this message that to presume to love God and know God and want to know his plan for your life and do so on a daily matter and then pick up and go at it yourself is a baby. But to realize, I love you, God. I know I need your help to know where to go. And I know that I am not going to get there in my strength or my ability that because I have surrendered myself to you, you will give me the ability, you will give me the know-how, you will give me as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. Is Jesus sick right now up there? No, then so am I here. Is Jesus poor up there? No, then so am I here. Is Jesus, you know, wringing his hands, wondering about what's going to happen next? No, as he is, so are we in this world hallelujah and so we see these amazing hallelujah rescue missions i, I think about um i want to read you this this radical story i'm like when i saw it i'm like i don't know how this fits but i just love it so i'm going to make it fit hallelujah i think about the, the rescue mission with the man i think about daniel think about that rescue mission think about rahab the prostitute think about jonah right, rescued out of the belly of a big fish. Think about, you know, the man with the unclean spirits. Think about that rescue mission. Think about like, you know, all of a sudden, the guy, they're on the boat and the winds and the waves come to stop them. When we read the word of God, we need to see the obstacles that were overcome. And that's why it's so important that it's like we need to eat it. We need to live it so that we can get into their culture and understand sometimes, not like you like hop in the boat, put the power on and away we go to the other side. It wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't like that. We were on the boat, you know, on uh, Galilee and it's not like that. They'd walk places. They'd take days to get places. There was a level of determination. There's a level of knowing, I'm with you. I believe in you. I am with you. I am for you. I am your disciple. I want to learn about you. I want to learn how you do what you do. I want to learn how you brought freedom to people. I want to be just like you. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to 
you know, cause myself to continually stay in that place of, of being a student of God and then cause my impact and influence then on the lives of others. Then this thing becomes cyclical. It just grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. It, it wasn't supposed to be a difficult thing. Just a bunch of people like the disciples who liked what they saw and then gave themselves to it. They liked what they saw and they gave themselves to it. Hallelujah. And so I love that rescue mission. I love, you know, Jesus. Here's Jesus. There's a storm. But he is like, we are going to the other side, guys. We are going to the other side. And I love, you know, what you might wonder, like, what does we are made for signs and wonders have anything to do with us? Because miracles in the scripture tell us who Jesus is. Jesus was a rescuer. And when miracles and signs and wonders were done in his name, they showed people who he is, that he is a loving, caring, faithful, generous God. And miracles show us what Jesus came to do, who he is and what he came to do, who he is and what he came to do. I think, guys, we spend so much, and I'm not saying don't give yourselves and learn and learn and learn and study because the more we get into things, God uses what we're reading to show us all kinds of things. But those miracles that we allow Holy Spirit to come in and we work together with him and our lives just become this supernatural entity of miracles and signs and wonders where people are in awe. And I'm not, not just talking, although I am not excluding, you know, new limbs and, and, and new eyes and new ears and I'm not just talking about the lame walking. I'm talking about the big and the small and everything in between pointing to the fact, hallelujah, that Father sent Jesus, hallelujah, who was focused on us to raise us, us, us up so that he could send us out. I, I love what the scripture says with the man with the unclean spirit. So Jesus goes, he rescues him. It's absolutely beautiful. The man then is completely, the Bible says that he is seated, he is clothed. Everybody's scared out of their wits. He's seated, the scripture says, clothed and in his right mind. And, and this is what he's like, Jesus, I like, you are amazing. Can I follow you? I, I like, I like, this is life. No one, you don't know how many people have, you know, in the beginning, and then they, they would pray for me, and they would pray for me, and, 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 and there was con condemnation, and there was judgment, and there was guilt, and then finally when everybody who was, anybody had prayed for me, they sent me away, and, and I've just kind of been here, and I've just kind of left for dead. And Jesus is on this rescue mission. That's why, you know, sometimes I'm like a black and white kind of person. So I like these like extreme stories. Because I feel like sometimes we need that, don't we? I feel like sometimes we need those extreme stories to kind of make us feel again. Get our heart pumping the, oh my gosh. Like, could you imagine what it would feel like to be Pastor Ian, you know, when you're like screaming, hollering, you don't know, you know, really... I mean, you know what you're doing because you paid attention. That was my point. But you don't know that you know when you're in the middle of it and you're like kind of freaking out, right? There's a guy that's like down there. You don't know where he is. And you're like, ah, you know, panic wants to hit you and you want to do what? Run away, pretend it didn't happen, 
crawl under a rock. Come on, that's like real life, right? Have you ever been in a situation? I've been in a room where I'm just like pacing, you know, like, Holy Spirit, I just know you're going to do something. I just know, I don't know what you're going to do, but I just need your help. I know you're going to do something. I just know you're going to do something. I don't know what you're going to do. And everything in me is like screaming at me. And I'm just trying to, you know, get a grip, stay focused on him and do what I have learned. And so I love uh, Jesus' answer to him. He says this. He's like, Jesus, I want to come with you. I think you're absolutely amazing. I want to do what you do. I want to help people like you do. I want to help people like me. Right, and he, this is what Jesus says to him. He says, stay and give witness. Stay and give witness. You saw me do it. You more than anyone feel how much I love you, how much I care about you. And that's all you need to do. Love the same way you receive love. Stop at no length. Continue regardless of the obstacles. Hallelujah. And Matthew 10, 1 says, Jesus gathered his disciples and he imparted to them authority. Luke chapter 10 tells us that we have been given as those disciples who go out as those rescuers through the help of Holy Spirit. We're going out in Holy Spirit power. And Jesus has given us all power and all authority. And we're not going out as babes, as the scripture declares, but we're going out as those who have given ourselves to him, who are seasoned in him. It takes a seasoned person to know that you can do it, but to trust God regardless. It's easier to do it than to hold back on knowing you could do it. And the thing is, is that the increase that we're looking for, the increase of signs and wonders that we are looking for comes from a discipline of holding back in the area where we can. Like showing up, you know, to lay hands or some, on someone or pray for someone and you just start blabbling. Instead of stopping. Pastor Jess has been practicing this. Stop. 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 Why? Maybe because in all that we've learned and this happens and it's okay that we get to this place where we just feel like, I got this. I know. I got this. And Jesus always wants us to stay in that place of total, the place of total trust, the place of helplessness, not whining and complaining, but the place of total trust and helplessness and dependence, the scripture tells us, is the greatest place of maturity. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell this story because i got five minutes. Hallelujah. Anybody out there? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 20 says, disciples, The disciples preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. Father sent his son on a rescue mission. Jesus learned the ways of the kingdom. And then he became a rescuer. And then Jesus taught others to rescue. And so on, and so on, and so on. The Lord working with them. 
and confirming whose word? Your word? My word? His word. With signs following. Hallelujah. Glory to God. John chapter 15 and verse 27 says this. You must tell them about me. Tell them about me. Tell them about me. Why? Because you've been with me. Because you've been with me. Because when you were with me, you were asking lots of questions. It's okay when you are in prayer to ask questions. That's how we grow. It's okay when you're in prayer and you have a sense of something or, you know, you might have a slight vision. It's okay in prayer to ask questions like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing right now? Hey, Jesus, so your word says that I, uh, you went to prepare a mansion for me in heaven. Can you show me? And we, and we become students of the ways of God and the word of God and the kingdom of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Other disciples that are, we're very familiar with in Scripture, we see Joshua. Hallelujah. We see that Joshua learned how to live. He learned how to lead. And he was, why? So that he, as an apprentice, he was groomed to take the place of Moses. We see Samuel with Eli, the priest. We see Elisha with Elijah. We see the 12 disciples with Jesus. And we see Titus with Paul in the name of Jesus. And the objective is to learn and to pass it on in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Acts 1.4 says, don't leave. Remember, we're going in the strength of Holy Spirit. We're going in a, with a Holy Spirit advantage. And Acts 1 and 4, if you love scriptures, I'm just going to read them out there. It says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait. And so if you're here today and you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling, the power of God, the power of Holy Spirit, the, the, the dunamis power of God so that when you stop and you hear instructions and then you're like, okay, what do I need, God? I'm going to go. I'm, we always know we're going with Holy Spirit. We're going with Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Acts 2, 1 and 4 says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then look at that. You know, they could have been doing and doing and doing and doing and experiencing decrease and doing everything. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes. Now they're just doing what they're told. And the Bible shows us in two different examples. One, in, all, in the midst of all of Peter's failures, as he's preaching, 5,000 are added. Supernatural Holy Spirit ability. And then another time, 3,000 added. We're seeing the increase of God when we, when we allow ourselves to be groomed. To be groomed. Ooh, that's not always fun, is it? Being groomed. But we're growing. We want to grow. We believe in God. We believe that God is good. We believe, I mean, we believe in what he's doing. We are we are in, we are sold. And what we want to do is we want to give ourselves to his ways, give ourselves to his ways so that it's, it's, it goes from the place of just being information to a heart that is transformed. Yes. So that when they see us out there, they see us praying for people. They, they see us talking to people. They see us. It's like, have you ever done that? I've, I've, I've looked up, you know, and it's just like, wow, this is crazy. I just feel like Jesus is here. Why? Because he is. You know you found yourself a student. Come on. Isn't that what the world needs? I remind myself, you know, sometimes I stand here, you know, with the fear of God, and I'm just like, Lord, they don't need what I got. They need you. They need you. 
They need you, Jesus. Let me tell you this story. Thank you, Lord. I think all my notes are great. So I don't want to miss any. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I'm sure you've heard this, but ah, this is from a book called Just Like Jesus. And I can tell you, you know, what, what we're supposed to do is God sent Jesus. And, you know, sometimes we shake our fist at people and say, you know, it's the least, Jesus died for you. You know, the least you could do is give him your life and surrender. Jesus isn't looking for anybody to follow him on that pretense. Jesus wants us to see his love and compassion. He wants us to see that when he tells us to go the extra mile, he has done it. And the fruit that it has produced. He wants us to do everything out of love and compassion. He wants us to be disciples of love. He wants us to give compassion instead of judgment. To give compassion instead of criticism. And so it says this. It's a book called Just Like Jesus by Max Licato. And just allow yourself, I hope what I, what I shared with you sort of makes sense as we are on our final week this month and, and we're talking about becoming a disciple. I am a disciple of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ and his intention is to send me out. Just like in the Bible, his intention is that we would learn of him and that he could send us out. And it says this, it says, for five years no one touched me. So this is the story in Matthew chapter 8, the story of the leper. And he does such an eloquent job of, I think we need this church. I think that what Corona has deviously tried to do is to turn our hearts off and give us what the Bible says, stony hearts, fearful hearts, instead of hearts that are tender. And I just believe that somehow, some way today, and maybe you're here and you would say, you know, I want prayer. I feel like I have been callous. I feel like I've been cold. I feel like I see things and it really, I, I'm able to walk away and I don't like that. I don't want to be like that. Then we will pray for you and pray that the fire of God will hit you. The fire of God and, and, the, and the healing power of God will heal whatever it was that put up that wall and remove it in the name of Jesus. So we want to pray for you. And we believe that prayer does these things. It sets a fire in your heart. And so it says this. It says, for five years, no one touched me. This is the leper speaking. No one. Not one person. Not my wife. Not my child. Not my friends. No one touched me. They saw me. And they spoke to me. I sensed love in their voices. us Jesus to wake up to the pain that people are feeling around us and to not just do so Lord by stroking them although that helps but to do so compassion brings truth it brings answers it brings freedom he says I saw concern in their eyes but I didn't feel their touch there was no touch not once no one touched me what is common to you, he said, I coveted. Handshakes, warm embraces, a tap on the shoulder to get my attention, a kiss on the lips to steal a heart. Such moments were taken from my world. No one touched me. No one bumped into me. What I would have given to be bumped into, to be caught in a crowd, 
for my shoulder to brush against another's. But for five years, it has not happened. How could it? I was not allowed on the streets. Even the rabbis kept their distance from me. I was not permitted in my synagogue, not even welcome in my own house. I was untouchable. I was a leper, and no one touched me until today. When I saw him, I was changed. You must remember, I'm a farmer, not a poet. So I cannot find the words to describe what I saw. God, Jesus, we bless you today. You are this and everything, every, more, every bit more. All I can say is that the Judean mornings are sometimes so fresh and the sunrise is so glorious that to look at them is to forget the heat of the day before and after, before and the hurt of times past. When I looked at his face, I saw Gideon morning. Before he spoke, I knew he cared. Somehow I knew he hated this disease as much, no more than I hated. My rage became trust and my anger became hope. From behind a rock, I watched him descend a hill. Throngs of people followed him. I waited until he was only paces from me, and then I stepped out. Master, he stopped, and he looked in my direction, as did dozens of others. A flood of fear swept across the crowd. Arms flew in front of faces. Sounds like Corona. Children ducked behind parents. Unclean, someone shouted. Again, I don't blame them. I was a huddled mass of death, but I scarcely heard them. I scarcely saw them. Their panic I had seen a thousand times. His compassion, however, I had never beheld. Everyone stepped back except him. He stepped towards me, toward me. Five years ago, my wife had stepped toward me. She was the last person to do so, and now he did. I didn't move. I just spoke. Lord, you can heal me if you will. Had he healed me with a word, I would have been thrilled. Had he cured me with a prayer, I would have rejoiced, but he wasn't satisfied with speaking to me. He drew near me. He touched me. Five years ago, my wife had touched me. No one had touched me since until today. I will. His words were as tender as his touch. Be healed. Energy flooded my body like water through a furrowed field. In an instant, in a moment, I felt warmth where there had been numbness. I felt strength where there had been atrophy. My back straightened and my head lifted. Where I had been eye level with his belt, I now stood eye level with his face, his smiling face. He cupped his hand 
Antonio, that means he's looking right in his eyes. He cupped his hands on my cheeks and he drew me so near I could feel the warmth of his breath and see the wetness in his eyes. Don't tell anyone about this, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded for people who are made well. This will show the people what I have done. And so that's where I'm going. I will show myself to my priest and embrace him. I will show myself to my wife and I will embrace her. I will pick up my daughter and I will embrace her and I will never forget the one who dared to touch me. He could have healed me with a word, but he wanted to do more than heal me. He wanted to honor me, to validate me, to christen me. Imagine that unworthy of the touch of a man, yet worthy of the touch of God. Father, we thank you today for this journey, knowing your love for us, learning your ways, and becoming, Lord, your love, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your words, your compassion, Lord, in this earth. We commit ourselves, God, today. If you don't know Jesus, you just, it's, you just declare, wow, what you read about this in his tenderness and his love. Jesus, I know that I have wronged. I know that I have sinned. And I know that you have paid the price. And so I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And today, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, you've been made free in him. And if you're here today and maybe your heart has been that way, maybe corona, maybe a circumstance, a, a trauma, a situation has hardened your heart, then today, in the name of Jesus, I encourage you to receive prayer. And I thank you father all through this room in the name of Jesus I believe that you have been moving I believe that you have been touching our hearts I believe that you have been touching each one of us today with a touch of love and compassion so that we could experience just experience it just like this leper and then do what you are asking us to do God duplicate it in the name of Jesus and we thank you for it in Jesus name Amen.